My name is Ryan Luke Winslade and I am a PK and middle child. I know what it's like to be a misfit, an oddball, a weirdo, but I'm okay with that. If you're like me, you are most certainly welcome. Even if you're not, you'll hopefully enjoy yourself here on Pastor's Middle Kid anyway. We'll talk about stuff and look at things a little differently. Alright, let's get started. Welcome to Pastor's Middle Kid. My name is Ryan Luke. Did you enjoy the show last week? I hope so, and I hope that's why you're back. Uh, if you have not heard the one from last week, go ahead and listen to it. It was with my friend Chris, and it was a fantastic conversation. In fact, Chris gets name-dropped a few times in this episode, including <laughs> these uh, these first two ones right now. Love you, Chris. If you've been listening to the last few episodes of Pastor's Middle Kid, you may have heard that I was reading The Shack by William P. Young. And I have finished that book uh, within the last week and a half. I found it to be an interesting portrayal of the character of God. And it opened up some things in a way that really helped illustrate certain aspects of who God is um, and personalized them a little bit, uh, put them into words. That was really cool. There were also some moments where I thought, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but hey... It's not scripture. Not saying, of course, that it is not a good piece of literature. I liked it. It is definitely not my favorite thing that I have read, but I don't feel any worse for wear as a result of having read it. So, uh, The Shack by William P. Young, I thought it was okay. Uh, If you ever read it or have read it, let me know what you think. I would love to hear back from you, because I don't really hear back from anyone. This last week, I've actually been getting back into Flyleaf's album from 2012, New Horizons. I remember when this album first came out, it was, uh, I believe, my favorite album from 2012. And back when I was on radio in Canberra on One Way FM, shout out to you guys, I labeled it as my number one rock album for the year. I was definitely biased because they were my favorite band alongside Emery at the time. But yeah, I even got to meet Lacey Sturm, that is the uh, the past lead singer of Flyleaf, before the new lineup these days, at Easterfest one year, and she signed my face. My face was the first face she'd ever signed. It was quite the privilege. It's uh, good female-fronted rock music, Flyleaf. I'm uh, personally a very big fan of their albums, Memento Mori and New Horizons. I do like the self-titled, but not nearly as much as those that had it in the early days. Alright, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the song Bury Your Heart as the transition music now. And right after my whole chat with Lorna Kid, I'm going to be playing the song Cage on the Ground as the outro track today. Check out Flyleaf, their album New Horizons from 2012. It is so beautiful. And so are you. Alright, let's get this started. Oh, 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 
Lorna, if you're from England, why are you in Australia? That is a great question. <laughs> um, with YWAM? YWAM. Yes. YWAM. What's the I'm kidding. Of why. I, I know, I I know say, what YWAM is. I'm like, uh, do you want me to go legit into explaining it? Because I can. I think, I think anyone that's listened to this program before <laughs> would have a bit of an understanding of what YWAM is. Yeah, and I felt like I was going to be on like a recording tape then. This is what YWAM is. You may have heard it 20 times before, but here I go. Hi, this is Lorna calling from YWAM, YWAM Newcastle. <laughs> Uh, I saw you inquired about doing a DTS. Yeah, for those that uh, <laughs> that don't know Lorna, she and I are co-workers in the communications department, so Dream. we make phone calls every working day of our lives. We make many a voicemails. Oh, yeah. Yep, we, we have... Uh, it's funny, because we start out with this template, right? You start out saying, you need to say your name, you need to say where you're from, you need to say what you're calling about. And even when you get talking to a person, you go through these steps. And then eventually it gets to the point where everybody just has their own little catchphrases and and go-to sentences that they regurgitate every time. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I go on autopilot completely, especially voicemails. (laughs) But then sometimes I get the giggles like I did last week. And then I'm like, bye! (laughs) And then I don't want to talk to them again or re-ring because I think I sounded like really weird. (laughs) Yeah, uh... I, something I've noticed about about you on the phones um, that's it's pretty pretty funny is you always say awesome yeah awesome that's so great that's awesome that's super good awesome sweet good well it's because I don't know where I'm going so I'm trying to give my brain a minute to think what do I talk about now with this complete stranger you just need to stall for a few seconds yeah. while you think of <laughs> awesome that's me. great great question <laughs> <laughs> just anything I can put out there oh my goodness oh uh, yay the joys of working in a call center type of environment <laughs> Woo! but you also help people come to Australia right visa stuff yeah coming in a little bit not a pro I was gonna say pro not a pro <laughs> to be honest I never know what I'm actually doing so I'm sitting there going yeah yeah you can totally get this visa when really I have no clue <laughs> and I'm just praying in my head like Jesus help me because I do not know what I'm doing <laughs> but but you're actually qualified right kind of ish you're qualified to give certificates of enrollment or something Ooh, some fancy thing yeah i did this weird government course and it was very stressful i thought it was chill it was stressful there was many a test <laughs> okay yeah i'm Great. a confirmation of enrollment administrator Ooh. Ooh. that's something to put on your resume yeah that is something to put on my resume <laughs> nice yeah if you're ever looking for a job which probably not, won't be but moment. that's okay no. <laughs> praise god okay um so, Lorna, you and I go back in, uh, to October 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you were on your DTS and I was on School Music and Missions, um, do, you, do you remember the first time that we met? I do remember. <laughs> what, what happened that first time that we met? I feel like it was an eventful moment. Uh, we met when we were camping for our annual base retreat. Yep. And you were playing soccer, football, yeah. that one. And I think I was playing volleyball, mm-hmm. and the ball came to where I was playing, mm-hmm. and I decided to kick it back to you, not realizing you were coming to get it, and I hit you very, very hard. Kind of thudded straight into me. 
Was it where did it hit? Did it hit your face? No, I, I think it was my midsection. Yeah, I think you might have over-exaggerated it completely. Definitely did. I doubled over just to make you feel bad. And I felt really bad about it. And then the next time the volleyball came over to to where I was, I picked it up and walked it over to you guys, and then purposely threw it into your face. Yeah, like into my face. <laughs> and I'm like, who is this dude? And who does he think he is? Yeah. And now that uh, from there we. <laughs> We sparked a, uh, a wonderful friendship. The reason I wanted to have you on the program was not because I ran out of people to talk to. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> it wasn't that. It, it was because... Uh, That's like giving an insult and just saying, just kidding. No, it was the opposite. <laughs> I was giving a compliment, saying that you're worth talking okay, to. Okay, carry on. Thank <laughs> goodness. I had, I had Chris Vanderweelen on again because I had nobody to talk to. Mm, fair. So we recorded two episodes while fair. I was with him. That's a good point. Love you, Chris. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we were going to have this conversation because um, in the whole introduction to this this podcast, I say that I kind of have a heart for the misfits and the the outsiders and the oddballs, and I consider you one <laughs> in the most loving way, right? Mm. Because I consider myself one, so yeah. I think we would kind of fall into the same category. I see how it is. Um, Okay, maybe you didn't think that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Quid. <clears throat> yeah. uh, <clears throat> moving on. Um, all right, so we are going to talk about a few things okay. on the program today. And the first one we're going to talk about is a church-related thing. And uh, just before we get right into that, uh, what what was your kind of your background with church? Did you grow up in a traditional church mm-hmm. or, or what? Yeah, so I've been going to church my whole life, and the church I grew up in was in like a little village church in England. So it was a lot of like families and old people and things like that, and it was great. We did a lot of like not very modern worship, but it was great. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of kids group and action songs, but also a lot of like liturgy and random things. I just said because I was told to say. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Everyone was like a big family and. I loved climbing on the pews and being weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved churches to a like student church in my city. Yeah. And that was also great. I was in the youth group, so I wasn't really a student. So I was a bit like, yeah. okay. <laughs> but it was awesome. I loved it. Right. So uh, the reason the reason we want to talk about this is because you and I both kind of come from that, as you said, village church. Yep. Classic uh, village churches. I, we don't use that term in Australia, but... Oh, what do you call it? Uh, we just kind of call it a traditional church. Okay. Ah. A, uh, a quiet one. We probably do too, but it was in a village, so I just said that. <laughs> we don't usually call suburbs or anything villages. Except in Canberra, they had things like the uh, the Canberra village shops and other things like that. Let's see. Okay, I guess it's a village. Good on you, Canberra. Uh, anyway, um, so what we're going to talk about, we're actually going to talk about a couple of things in in that church kind of environment. Okay. The first thing we're going to talk about is doing actions for kids' songs <laughs> in front of everybody. Now, before mm-hmm. before I ask you your experience with that that you kind of alluded to, um, I want to briefly share that my parents were both and still are um, involved in doing kids and youth ministry. They have a background in YWAM, uh, running King's Kids, which was the youth ministry branch of YWAM for, for 10 years from the late 80s to late, late 90s. And um, during that time, Dad really developed a, a passion, or at least a repertoire, yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of kids' songs. 
and he would sing them uh, one, maybe two, uh, every week at church for, for all the kids. And being the pastor's family, we had to go up the front uh, every every time until we were probably about 13. As soon as we were in high school, we didn't have to go up the front during the service, and we could just sit in the back going, yeah, take that Were you the kids, kids on the back, the back pew? Uh, I was that well, kid. Yeah, or we had to sit on the front pew because we were in the um, band or something. But we were regardless, the back pew kids. <laughs> Dad would always sing these songs and play the guitar, um, and Mum would always do the actions, and she'd always get my little sister Brooke up to, to help with the actions. Mum loved doing the actions, and Brooke loved doing the actions with her. And us boys, my two older brothers and I, we hated it. We hated if we ever had to get up there and do the actions from because it wasn't cool, you know, because all the... All the parents and the the teenagers could see us and mm. ugh, don't want to. They tend to not really join in, and it just makes it more awkward. Yeah, because they're at the stage where it's not cool to be a little mm. kid, and then you reach about 17, 18 years old, and you realize it's the best. It's fun. Then you just become a little kid, and then once you have kids, it gives you an excuse to be a little kid for the rest of your life. True. And you it's have grandkids point. and all that. So, what was what was your experience with doing actions? out the front of the church service Mm -hmm. so actually mostly as a kid i pretty much managed to avoid it mostly Mm -hmm. so i would sometimes go up but i was definitely the kid on the back pew who would sit like not just on the pew but on top of it so i was that kid wow me and my friends so we mostly avoided it but sometimes we'd get dragged up but so i moved churches and i became a kids leader so i was like um, with the toddler group and the babies. Yeah. And my children's pastor knew I hated doing um, the actions and mm-hmm. I would never volunteer. So he would be like, Lorna, why didn't you do the actions this week mm-hmm. and make me get up and do it? And it was very embarrassing and I was very bad at them and I would forget them, do them all in the wrong order. And I would never have my glasses with me so I can never see what part of the song we're on. Mm-hmm. So I just looked like an idiot because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And then I had this distinct memory of one time I sprained my ankle and I still got asked to do the actions. And um, my worship pastor decided we were gonna, we were gonna like squat for part of the song. And then like do like a jumping part where we get up from there. Except for, I have a sprained ankle. So I'm on one leg trying to squat in front of my whole church. And then trying to jump up. That's that's like karate training. Or yeah, something. I'm like sending daggers at him. Like, how could you do this to me? Wow. It, it was very humiliating. Yeah. So most of my experiences were me being very, very humiliated and looking very silly. But that's after awesome. a while, I just was like, I'm gonna look silly, whatever I do. I'm just gonna volunteer. Yeah. So I'd be like the first one, the hand shooting up. Like, I'm just gonna look silly and yeah. I'm just gonna love it. Yeah. Just gotta own it. Yeah. And once you own that, then you just go all in. Mm-hmm. And it's the best even when you see the, the elderly folk and the, the parents and stuff yeah. really getting into it too. Especially the parents, because the parents get really into these songs. The kids are so embarrassed. Yep. <laughs> and then everyone's having a great time except the kids that are up the front. True. And we're supposed to be doing that for them. Yep. We're secretly doing it to embarrass them. It's yeah, awesome. I think I just learned that if you do it and you look awkward and like you're finding it embarrassing, 
it just doesn't work. Yeah. So you just have to go up and pretend that you feel like the most confident person ever <laughs> and you're having the best time of your life and this is why you woke up in the morning to yeah. do these actions. Then somehow people are just like, wow, they're going for it and they just don't even think you're weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally that's it. That's my life lesson. That's good. Yeah. I think that's one that we can all take home with us. <laughs> Great. Okay, let's uh, let's shift gears slightly into a, another church-related um, topic. But before we get started with this one, I'd just like to say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Ah. Oh. Didn't like that handshake. It's no. <laughs> pretty bad. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is the passing of the peace. Mm-hmm. And this is an age-old tradition in the church that is, uh, according to some reformed worship article that we pulled up just before, uh, it's supposed to train our hearts and our hands and our tongues yep. to be uh, vessels of peace. Yeah, talking about us being peacemakers. Mm. We're just doing an action for it every single week. Yeah, and yeah. but then something that I've discovered in, in church environments with the passing of the peace, which a lot of more uh, Pentecostal and less traditional Protestant um, denominations don't do, mm. those of you out there that don't know, it's this time during the service usually early on where the minister says the peace of the lord be with you and all the congregation responds and also Also with with you (laughs) and then the minister says let us turn to each other now and pass the peace and then everybody there's this kind of weird break in the service where everyone's walking around shaking everybody's hands but that's the only option you can't do anything but shake people's hands and there are the different handshakes like the uh, the dead fish Oh. Ones where people just kind of go limp nope. while you're holding their hands, and <laughs> it's kind of ugh. And then, then there's the old men at church handshakes where you shake the hand, but your other hand also holds onto the the shake yes. as well. So suddenly you're shaking with four hands instead yeah. of just two. Um, so there's a girl also they would go for like a kiss on the cheek as well. Yeah, you get like the stubble on the cheek and the hands, and it's just eh, it's just uncomfortable. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Did you, did you say? <laughs> If it, if it was a girl, you would get the stubble on the cheek. No, like they would like give you a kiss on the cheek. Oh, right. They would have stubble and it would go on your cheek. You as a girl would get kissed on the cheek by a stubble-faced yeah churchman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Righto. Um, what we discovered, uh, actually, something that m- my dad, who uh, being in YWAM for. 10, 15 years, something like that. He he kind of broke out of that tradition. So when whenever it came time for passing the peace in the service, he'd say, turn to each other now and say good day, wish him a good morning. <laughs> or if you want to do the traditional thing, say the peace of the Lord be with That's you. That's the most Aussie thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. So then then we wouldn't be confined to just saying the peace of the Lord be mm. with you and also with you. And that's that's all that we would say. Instead it became Oh, good to see you this morning, Doug. Oh, it's good to see you, mate. And we'd we'd have we'd have a great time. Uh, and then there are always the little kids, and they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Do they say? Do they shake the hand and say, "May the force be with you"? Or what happens? Um, so then we we'd end up just walking around to the the younger ones and throwing up the peace sign, saying "Peace." And yeah. They go, yeah, peace. And we Ways. might. Uh, might do something like a high five or something just to, to break the awkward yeah because that happens with with kids in traditions that they don't understand <laughs> um so was there anything 
any experiences other than the stubble-faced men at church uh, <laughs> that that kind of defined, shaped your your mm. experience with passing the peace? Yeah, for me, I do not like handshakes at all. They make me so uncomfortable, and still to this day, I dislike them, and I get very uncomfortable if someone offers them, even if I've never met them. I like freeze, and I'm like, nope, nope. Job interview is worse, but anyway. Wow. Um, yeah. So me and my friends didn't really get why we were doing it. Mm-hmm. So we would always go for the like really like solid fist pump, but like really hard. And we'd be like, welcome. Peace. And like all the adults would look at us just like, what are you doing? Pretty much just playing blood knuckles in the. Basically. Oh my goodness. And then sometimes I'd go for it like with my parents. Mm -hmm. So, because they would always come up to me and like try and give me a handshake slash a hug. And (laughs) it was just kind of weird and uncomfortable. And I'm like, we don't have to do this. So I would just throw up like the fist pump and try and make that a thing. Um, just to, because I was just finding it so uncomfortable and not pleasant. The the whole thing with parents. Like, and, why do they feel the need to do it to me? I know that's right. I see you every day of my life. It's like we don't need to do this. <laughs> we spoke to each other all morning. It's it's like they they step out of the role of being parents and into the role of being a deacon or something in the church, and they. It's good to see you here this morning, son. <laughs> Peace good be to with s- you. Also with you, Dad. <laughs> and then the mum's like, oh, I just want to give you a hug. Yeah. Just give me a hug outside of this obligatory time, okay, mum? <laughs> you're supposed to give people hugs now. I want one when you're not supposed to give people hugs. <laughs> See, my mum was the woman who would go around and handshake every single person. Yep. So they'd call the time and be like, okay, we're now going to sit down and like move on. No. She my was mom the straggler. Would, yeah, my mom would still be going around every person, but she'd have like legit conversations. It'd be like, yeah, it's so good to see you. Like handshaking every person. It's such a mum thing. It's such a mum thing. And I'm sitting there like, mom, please sit down. Please <laughs> stop it. And like, oh, it was just so embarrassing. So like five minutes later, she'd eventually make it back to her seat and then throw up like a little, oh, I'm sorry, wave to me. And I'm just like, nope. Every time, <laughs> every <happened>. time. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the difference in your situation and mine was my dad was the preacher, mm-hmm. so he would be the one conducting the service most of the time. So um, when it when it came time to wrap things up, if my mum was still talking, he'd probably just make he'd make a joke or a remark a yeah. remark about how my mum, how Sandra was still out there talking to people. And everybody goes, oh, that's so funny. Classic. Oh, great. Okay, uh, passing of the peace. Yeah. What a, uh, what a fun, fun tradition. <laughs> now, we can say that it has a biblical basis. Of course yeah. it does. Peace to all men, all that type of thing. Whatever. When it comes to the exact outworking of it and saying that... May the force be with you. And also with you. Mm-hmm. It's, it just feels like semantics. Surely you can say... Good day. How you doing? It's good to see you. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, because uh, surely our hearts will show mm-hmm. with what we say. We don't necessarily have to say the word peace in order to bring peace. Yeah, I think I'd rather say something that I just genuinely mean, and that's not always the same to every single person that I see. Well, maybe it's just a matter of you getting your heart in the right place maybe. where you actually mean peace that you're <laughs> with every person. I felt like, especially <laughs> as a kid, like I would just be saying it just because oh, this is the time in the service where we're supposed to say that thing. (laughs) 
but like I feel like I would treat it differently now I'd more be like okay before I do this do I genuinely mean this maybe I should nip out if I don't and not do it because I don't want to do something I don't mean like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna really mean it growing up we I feel like we were very well versed in the art of saying and also with you mm-hmm. but actually initiating it and saying the peace of the Lord be with you we'd never do that yeah because we were we were like 12 13 years old <laughs> and these uh, these elders at church would come up to us the peace of the Lord be with you we'd say and also with you and then yeah. they walk on to the next person and then they'd shake three of our hands in a row and not saying that we each have three hands but <laughs> three of us would be standing in a row and because we're brothers and we stick together yeah we don't want to talk to anybody yeah because we don't want to be at this church service <laughs> see me and my friends wouldn't even move from up here yeah okay so we would wait for everyone to come to us if no one came to us fine mm-hmm. we would just do the jokey like fist pump piece to each other and then we would just sit and wait or we would use this time when everyone's talking to talk about mm-hmm. something else. We're like, score! No one's mm-hmm. going to tell us off for talking right now. But then if anyone came up to us, we're like, oh, oh, we have to actually do something now. Yep. And then we would just go for the, yeah, I'll sit with you. Yeah. Because uh, uh. we just felt uncomfortable and found it weird. What about those people that you see on the opposite end of the church that you accidentally make eye contact mm, with? Nope. And they make a beeline <laughs> for you. And you can just see it coming. See the It's like that split second before the actual car crash happens yeah, where everyone you just says know it's about to happen. time slows down and, yeah. and you become extremely aware of your surroundings. There's that person coming right at you and suddenly everyone else is moving slowly and you're just examining your life choices. What See, do I do? This is the mistake you made, making the eye contact. I know. I just stared at my friends. Yeah. Just I didn't want to make that mistake. I learned from the hard way mm-hmm. a couple of times. So after that I would just stare at my friends, we would talk. Just pretend no one else was there. I didn't have any friends at church other than my brothers. That's fair. And that makes things a bit more tricky. And I have two brothers. So if they were making eye, to- eye contact You're with doomed. each other, then I would be the one that would be forced to either look down at my feet, then somebody come over and say, Oh, peace Lord be with you, Ryan. Are you doing okay? Or take a I- bath and break. I've done that before. Mm, I did that once. Felt a little bad about it. Honestly done that before. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> Confession right. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one time. Oh, Cool. Let's let's talk about something that I could say I'm I'm kind of successful in, um, and I don't know about you. Uh, I'm not about to quote Taylor Swift. I wasn't going to say, but I'm feeling 22, which I am because I'm 22 years old. But um, we are going to talk about third wheeling. Everybody's favorite way to be friends with people. Always. It's this strange phenomenon, right? I think the the way third wheeling happens, or at least it happened for me, is I'm pretty comfortable with myself mm-hmm. in being myself, and people like that, right? I think being myself encourages other people to be themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. And then because they are themselves, people are attracted to each other when they see the real person Mm. so then suddenly this guy and this girl look at each other and go oh i actually like you that's cool i like ryan because he kind of makes us open up and then once we're open i like you you like me we're a happy family and then i'm sitting there going 
okay, well, I didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> um, all right, mind if I come too? <laughs> okay. On the dates. Yeah. Do, do you, you mind if I guys join? <laughs> do you have, do you have, um, I mean, I know you do, but what's a bit of your experience with, with being a third wheel? So I think mine's a little bit different to you. Yeah. Mine was more, um, I'd be friends with a girl and I'd also be friends with a guy. Mm-hmm. The problem is I'd probably start liking that guy. Ooh. Then I'd have the awkward, uncomfortable conversation where he's like, hey, can we talk about something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he's like, yes, I like this girl. <laughs> and my brain is freaking out because I know what to do. And it goes on and the conversation, I'm not sure who he's actually talking about, but I'm like praying it's me. And then he comes out with, yeah, so can you ask your best friend if she'd like to go out with me sometime? <laughs> True story. Happened Ouch. many times. <laughs> oh, it's like the Shakespearean love triangle. Yeah. I got kind of used to it, though. But for just for some reason, my friends would just always be drawn to each other. And then I'd be like, the other one. And I'm like, how do I hang out with you guys now? <laughs> but then often it would end with an awful breakup. And now I'm like, I don't know whether to hang out with one of you or the other one of you. Oh, like, yeah. what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah. When when I was in high school, let's say, you're seven and eight, I had uh, my best friend who was a guy. He, um, him and I became uh, became good friends with, with this... <laughs> funny this girl that had liked me um actually liked me at the time i didn't have any interest in her i feel really bad for her but then eventually when she finally got over me um without well with me kind of knowing i wasn't oh teenage drama eventually (laughs) things were okay between us and then my best friend started hanging out with her and i and then they started dating i went okay well now do i treat you both as one or do I treat you as separate people to invite do I invite one of you to something or does it have to be both Mm. what do I do Uh, that didn't end up working out Uh, and then when I was in year 11 again a couple of my best friends uh, the three of us were always hanging out and completely unbeknownst to oblivious 16 year old Ryan they start schmoozing Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that word me neither. I don't think I should have used that. I feel like uh, you should take that one back. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got it. They started hanging out mm, a little yeah. more and <laughs> getting cozy um, in a social context. <laughs> they started liking each other, and so then yeah. they, uh, mm. they eventually started dating. And then that was fine because I liked being around both of them, and they liked having me around. And that was kind of my experience with third wheeling. They would invite me to things still, mm. just not everything. Just that. Sometimes you you don't need a third person if the uh, the paddle boat that you're going on on Lake Burley Griffin only has two seats. That would be uncomfortable if you came. It happened. What did you do? Did you swim next to them? <laughs> <laughs> you swim behind the boat. I had to invite somebody else because. Oh I'm so no. Awkward. Oh, I just imagine times. you swimming next to the boat like guys this is so much fun and they're just having a little date on the boat <laughs> if you'd ever seen like Billy Griffin you wouldn't be saying that okay fair uh, yeah I love hanging out with blue green algae okay um, when I was in university mm-hmm. that was that was where the, the real success story mm. um, started coming about so I, I became friends with this girl uh, named Beck and uh, she's from Canberra she's awesome and 
we were friends for a couple of months for the first semester of uni. Well, kind of half the first semester. Then there was this combined youth event. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me at that event and said, Ryan, Chris is here. And I said, I, who's Chris? And she said, uh, you know Chris from our recording techniques class? And I went, I don't know who that is. She said, Chris Vanderwielen. Oh, I recognize that name from the roll call. Never seen him before in my life. She said, I have to go sing on the stage, so can you hang out with him? Because he doesn't really know many people here. So I went and shook his hand and said, hey man, good to see you. Pretended like I knew him. I didn't. <laughs> Love you, Chris. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and and from there, we started hanging out, Chris and I, and mm-hmm. then and Beck as well. So then the three of us got really close in our recording techniques class. Um, and then we did great things like scootering around Lake Burley Griffin, uh, great times oh so much love for those two then they developed so much love for each other and uh that was uh that was funny because that just kind of to to me that came out of nowhere because i went there's nothing here this is great (laughs) we're just three platonic friends this is going to be awesome and it all changed and then they said uh ryan beck and i have started dating and i went oh but I thought we had this pact. No one was going to like anyone in this little group and then we'd just be able to be friends and there wouldn't be any romances to ruin it. They're engaged now and they're getting married later on this year, which which is really good. I'm happy about that. And here I am three years later thinking, all right, things have turned out okay. I think how fun that wedding will be. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's like two besties. Chris and Rebecca, you both know that I am <laughs> responsible for uh, for your soon-to-be marriage. Um, <laughs> please remember that. Take all of the credit. <laughs> credit. You just stand up. Fine. Guys, we are only here because of me. Just yeah. so everyone knows. Just we're all on the same page. I did this. You're welcome, guys. You are welcome. Third wheeling. Isn't it weird... I mean, most of the time it happens accidentally. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, we, we've all heard stories of um, of being friends with somebody and saying, "Oh, actually, I think I think you two are yeah. supposed to to meet classic. up." Exactly, a bit of a uh, fiddler on the roof type of match deal. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find, catch me a catch. Matchmaker, matchmaker, look through your book and make me. And uh, sometimes those things end up working out. Sometimes they don't. It's just the nature of romantic relationships. Yeah. Mm. I've learned not to force it, though. I also was the third wheeler in the sense of, I want to go out with this guy, but my parents won't let me go out with him. Can you come along with us? Oh, as a chaperone Yeah, I've definitely been a chaperone. Um, except for they wanted time alone. So I'd go sit in a cafe nearby <laughs> while they had their date and then re-meet up with them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the role of a third wheel is, uh, is an interesting one. Mm. Takes dedication and commitment. Yeah. But if you consider the, the illustration of a tricycle... Okay. ...with one wheel in the front, two in the back, you take one of those wheels away, it either becomes a Segway or a lopsided bicycle. True. That's a great point. And both of them are bad things. So you need the third wheel. That's fair. That makes me feel a lot better about things. Yeah. In, in considering a... <laughs> A tricycle in anything else. <laughs> Might use that one in future. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Or it could even be a tuk-tuk or something. A tuk-tuk. Sorry, go. I love that word. It's my favorite. Yeah. Tuk-tuk. Third wheeling. Great fun. 
Okay, we're gonna shift into the uh, shift gears on that tuk-tuk into the final, <laughs> the final topic for today, and it's one I like that, that segue you did there. That, Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was a. Ooh. Come on, that was pretty good. That was good. Yeah. That was. Good. I didn't have many moments like that, so I thought like we should celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's celebrate. Okay, now that celebration is done, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about tidiness because this is something that you and I, I feel like we might agree on, but the outworking of it is very different. Yeah. Growing up, I was a, uh, I took after my mum, let's say, in being pretty messy and I would keep my room messy because I didn't care. No one was going to go in there. Plus I was sharing a room with my brother and maybe it was mm -hmm. a bit of a, a, uh, bit of a stuff you to to the brother at, at times as like an eight-year-old I'm angry at Benji so I'm just gonna leave my stuff on the floor next to his bed take that Benji Oosh. but then we'd end up playing uh, Pokemon on the Game Boy hiding underneath the bed so mom and dad didn't know that we were playing Game Boy <laughs> together and so we, there were ways that we would make it up yeah that's fair so when I was 14 I had I had my little brother Tyson as my as my roommate um, you don't think of it in terms of roommates back here. No. <laughs> with your family. Uh, Tyson and I shared a room, but he was he was much younger than me. And mm -hmm. when we moved house, I got my own room for the first time in my whole life as a 14-year-old. Yeah. So I decided I could actually spend all my time in my room. So why not? Why don't I just keep it clean? And then this can be my play area, my homework area, my sleeping area. I can do everything in this room. What I'll just keep things. it clean. Uh, yeah, and that's just kind of stayed with me for the, the last eight years. And I keep places that I live clean, unless I'm living out of a suitcase, in which case it's kind of... Impossible. Hard. Yeah. I didn't mean to say case in that. <laughs> my apologies. Um, that case. Are you a tidy person? Uh... Not particularly. Uh. Okay, so compared to my friends growing up, I really wasn't that bad. But to my mum's standard, I was like horrific mm -hmm. because my mum likes everything to be tidy all of the time. Yeah. So if I ever left anything, it would suddenly become a pile that my mum will have created, but she'll move all of the stuff, which I put purposely in a specific place. <laughs> so I have one of those brains. I don't know if it's because I am like, I guess... Is it a creative brain thing? Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So my brain's a bit scattered everywhere. So my brain works best if everything I can... Like, I can see everything mm -hmm. that I own, and it has its place. So I know where everything is. It's just in a pile or, like, like a kind of heap. <laughs> or... No, I'm not the that bad. No, no, I'm not that bad. Although currently, yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. You're kind of describing a floor drone. Clean up, clean up, everybody clean up. Let's work together, everyone do their share. Clean up, clean up, come on now and clean up. Everyone, everywhere. We're gonna take no, because it's more like on desks. All oh, right. Or like... Desk space is a little different. 
Yeah. I, I think there's a little more lenience with desk space. Better. That makes you feel a little better. It's not necessarily living space. Okay. So, I wouldn't say it's a floor drove as such. Because I can see my floor. Mm. There's just areas of clutter. Okay. So, like, I, like, limit it to, like, specific areas that are cluttered. But I know where everything is. So then... Like, if I needed to look for something important, I would know where it was, because I could see it. Yeah. However, my mum's logic is very different. She likes everything to be put away neatly. So, I'd be looking for something, and she'll have moved it. But she doesn't remember where she put it, because she was just tidying, generally. And I now have no idea. So I would spend four hours looking for the thing that I could have found in one minute if I'd been cluttered. But then it's probably in the place that makes the most sense for it to be put away in, right? Not always. Not always? Not always. Well, I guess, because I my guess brain the, works so differently yeah. to my mum's. Yeah. Picking up after someone else is a different story. Mm. Um, okay, so I understand. You you like to have organised mess. Yes. Okay. That's how my brain works best. Yeah. For sure. That's fair enough. See, it's funny, in, in the case of my, my parents, my dad seems to be a fairly orderly guy, but he'll, he'll leave some things around sometimes, but... Mum's just a generally messy person because she she's very much a a creative brain yeah. person. And she used to do a lot of art and she's a very good artist, but she hasn't been doing much art lately, but her creative brain has stayed, <laughs> which <laughs> which just looks really funny. That's There's the one best. time a family friend walked into our house a couple of years ago and said, oh, I love walking into the Winslade residence. It feels like there's been a comfortable explosion. Oh, oh, to, to my mum, she thought that was pretty funny and a pretty apt description. But to me, <laughs> it kind of, ugh, it irked me a little because I'd been I'd been tidy for the last four years, something <laughs> like that. And I like things being put away, uh, hung up, folded, mm-hmm. put in drawers, all those types of things. Okay. So there's the most space. No, yeah, that makes right? sense. I get it. I get really overwhelmed when there isn't much free space around. Mm-hmm. I I get overwhelmed in crowds of people yeah. and rooms full of people so I guess that kind of makes sense in my own area if things are cluttered I can't think yeah. clearly okay, it, it used sense. to be when I was in high school if I had an assignment due the next day because of procrastination praise yeah. the lord uh, I wouldn't be able to actually get sit down and get work done until I had completely cleaned my room Yeah. just because being a uni tasker and all uh, <laughs> It was it was just really difficult to to filter out these things that I was seeing in my peripheral vision that I could feel around me. It was yeah. like uh, maybe it has its roots in claustrophobia. I don't know, but <laughs> I needed things pretty tidy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. See, in my house, my mum very very tidy. My dad, however, I definitely take after him, but his issue is with books. So wow, apparently, okay. when my mum moved in, he just had books like all over our living room Mm -hmm. just like randomly placed so my mum was like okay you have to have one space like that where I don't have to go inside so he now has his study just full of books like I don't even know if you can walk in anymore (laughs) but like my mum doesn't have to see it but occasionally for some reason she decides to like torture herself and go into this room and then she's just like so overwhelmed and like, ah, there's mess everywhere. Oh, wow. And then she wants to clean the rest of the house to like compensate for it. Cause she's like, oh no, <laughs> our house is a mess. <laughs> but like for me, like I'm messy, but like, yeah, like you said, it's organized. 
But if I'm like coming up, like you said, to an assignment mm. or like an exam or anything I'm stressed about, I have to clean. Like I have to. Like I will like not clean or like not not clean, but not tidy for like the longest time. Yeah. And then there'll be like one day where I'm like, I'm so stressed right now. So I will spend my whole day organizing everything de-stressing and yeah things in it makes me feel so much better and then i finish i'm like i have accomplished things i am a productive person but then i realized i never actually studied for the exam i was meant to be studying for <laughs> but my room looks great like it's on point so i'm like well if i do bad on the test at least i can make up for it with my room so like my mom's like oh you did really bad on the test and i'm like yeah but have you seen how clean my room is <laughs> so i can sell it Right, okay. Yeah. Do you make your bed, generally? It doesn't seem, seem like a yes. Mm, at home, more so. Here, no. Because you wake up and you're on a pretty strict schedule, need to get everything done. Yeah, like, um, I am just, like, I have, like, a routine in my head and making my bed is not in that. So, <laughs> like, also, like, in the moment, like, Australia is so hot compared to at home. Oh, I know. Like, my bed is laid out so differently. Like, I just have a blanket... Whereas at home, like, I have, like, a legit, like, bed with, like, everything on it. So, like, here it's, like... Sheet, blanket, sheet, 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 blanket, blanket, blanket. No, not even that. It's literally... it's England. It's frozen. Oh, in England. I think you meant here. I was like, are you crazy? No. (laughs) Yeah, home is, like, layers galore. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) I've never said that before. (laughs) But here is literally just a blanket. So, it's, like, it doesn't make that much different if my blanket is flat straight or like bundled the end of my bed like yeah. it really doesn't make that much difference to me emotionally yeah. so I'm like mm, if I have time I'll sort it out if not meh I'll sleep in it again tonight anyway yeah I definitely have that logic sometimes I'm like well I'm only gonna mess it up again in like a couple of hours so yeah I've I've heard uh, pros and cons to making your bed but the pros seem to outweigh the cons the cons of making your bed are I'm just gonna get in there and mess it up anyway yeah and the pros are things like it teaches you discipline it uh in my case it would declutter my room mm-hmm. it would, everything would be in order and i would feel comfortable and be able to think clearly yeah uh it can become something that you can sit on and invite other people to sit on without feeling awkward uh except in my case the top bunk <laughs> in order to sit on the top bunk you have to kind of commit to it you kind of just lazily yeah sit down there. um and overall presentation of the room that's fair uh i'm i'm a big fan of of things looking nice and things looking neat Mm -hmm. and so i lay out my uh star wars episode 7 the force awakens bedspread with with star wars force awakens uh pillow and (laughs) put my tom the teddy bear on top of my pillow and that's that's what i that's what i do every day unless my roommate is asleep when i have to go to work in which case, I don't want to be, uh, you know, moving around in my Especially in the top bed. bunk. I know. It's going to wake him up. And he is going to be loving about it, but he's not going to like it. So I decide to wait until after I get back from work, and then I make my bed. And then That's fair. everyone, especially Tom <laughs> the Teddy, is happy. Um, I don't know. I think there's pros and cons. I understand your position. I trust yeah. you understand mine. And I really hope the listeners at home have been able to, or wherever you're listening from, have been able to, uh, yeah, really sort out their own, uh, their own ideas on being clean and tidy 
uh, versus being uh, a little bit messy. I hope I trust you've been able to sort that out into either nice up and down straight cupboards and or a little away. organized heap. Or little organized heaps. Um, that's definitely how my brain works. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> I get caught in a weird in between state, being a creative and also being a very straightforward logical thinker as well. <laughs> I don't know what I am. Anyway, uh, this has been the uh, the latest episode of Pastor's Middle Kid. Unless you've gone back and listened to this, in which case it's not the latest. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Lorna, for joining the uh, the program today. It's been great having you. And, uh, yep, you can follow Pastor's Middle Kid on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pastor's Middle Kid, or follow me on Twitter, because no one has done that yet, at, <laughs> at PMK Podcast. <laughs> And uh, tweet at me, please. I feel like I need to go follow you now. I feel lonely. I mean, you've been a guest, so surely that, that's enough incentive. You heard it here first, folks. Lorna Kid is about to follow me on Twitter. Um, Props not. Oh, Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, well, with that said, uh, <laughs> the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Oh, that's Girl, a gross no. handshake again. Okay. You should just do everyone. peace. To, yeah, fist bump. Peace.